welcome to the second episode of The Adventures of the Yellow Peril and the Magical Negro. Geek stuff from a POC POV. We originally had that as POC, uh, from a POC lens, but everybody's like, no, POC POV. So we're like, okay, you got it. Like, uh, We know how to take suggestions. Yes, this time it's comics. And uh, I guess we should start off with uh, This Is My Shit, all the good stuff. Oh, all the good stuff. Um, well, I'll start off. Yeah. You know my favorite DC heroine, because I made you read the whole collected things, Manhunter. Yep. Kate Spencer. Um, one of the reasons I love this shit is because she's a divorced mother who has a job and who kills the villains. Right. I appreciate a little murderous impulse in my mom's. Uh, what I liked is that she's really kind of, she's a lawyer. Like, she's a normal person who just read up on the case files that she was seeing and then actually said, oh, I could use that. Like, Right? I could use this thing we confiscated to kill right. someone. Let's right. do that. I love her. I think it's an amazing, amazing series. It And it reaches a good conclusion. And actually, I don't know if I ever told you this. I randomly ran into the creator at work one day. Oh, really? Um, this guy came in to, uh, to the one of the bookstores I work at. And he was like, oh, I need to get Clive Barker, I think Cabal or Books of okay. Blood, because I'm going to be doing a comic on it. Okay. And we have a bunch of people who come in and are like, I'm doing comics. So I didn't trip off that. Went to go get the book, and I brought it back to him, and he paid for it, and he paid for it on card. And I he saw the, the name, name. <laughs> when it came up, and I was like, oh my god, I know you. And he was like, uh, you do? And I was like, I do. You created my favorite character, Kate Spencer, Manhunter. And he was like, well, you know, look out for, like, Volume 6, which um, makes me think he's going to be working on more, which I'm excited about. That would be nice. And also, he's currently working on a comic. Damn it, I should know the name. But it's about um, the illegitimate children of James Bond. Basically, an alternate version of James Bond who dies, and all his illegitimate children from various relationships join as a team. Okay. So, um, that sounds pretty awesome. I'll figure out the name, and we'll put it in the links. Well, that sounds pretty good. Um, oh, man, Hunter. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the one that I've been getting sucked into. Uh, my homegirl, Jay, hooked me up with uh, copies of Saga, mm-hmm. which, you know, it makes me think of because it's, like, ways in which we have all these comics that deal with, like, real relationships and real, like, issues on top of, like, aliens or superpowers. And, like, yeah, it's funny because just, like, reading Saga, it's really all just normal relationship drama. With aliens. With right? aliens. Like, in space. Right. Like, And it's great. Um, I'm not as caught up as, with Saga as you are because of stuff. Right. But um, what Gorgeous. I have read, I love. Like, yeah. it's amazing. The art. Fiona Staples is just one of the best artists working today. Yeah, it's really interesting just because it has such a um, such a good flow. Like, like, there's not a ton of plot density, but what happens is enough that you're like, oh, crap, what's going to happen next? Yeah. So it makes it super easy to, like, just zip through, but at the same time, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you're like, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah, and they, they throw things in there that just make you really uncomfortable and then do interest. Like, the child prostitute was one of the moments where I was like, <sighs> what's happening? What's happening? Uh... And I stopped reading for a little bit, because I was like, I don't know if I can deal with this right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I really should have trusted Brian, Brian K. Vaughn, because I think he took that in a way, I mean, I'm not caught up, but after that point when I read on, I think he took it in a way I didn't expect. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm actually excited about this. 
Well, I mean, here's the thing, though, is that it's like you kind of have to go wild before you trust authors, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the reality is like, and there's been way too many comics and stuff that it's like, it's good until, until and then it flips moment. up, you know. And there, um, there are artists I won't read anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. we'll get to that later. Um, the other one, of course, is Amulet. And, you know, thank you for hooking me up with the most recent one, because... I'm happy to share. <laughs> Amulet is amazing. It's just I, amazing. I just need more, like, portal fantasy in my life, and, like... And good portal fantasy that's right. actually complex. I mean, I don't want to spoil anyone who hasn't read Amulet, and if you haven't, go pick up all six volumes right now. But um, when you can make my feelings on characters like, run the spectrum through the course of three books. When you actually books. start caring about villains that you're like, this dude's just an ass. Like, right? You're, you're like, like, oh, he's an asshole, but I like him. He went through some shit. Right. Like, I feel or even, for him. even just like, man, you're an ass, and I wish you weren't an ass, because you really, you know, I see what made you this way, but I wish you weren't. Like, yeah. No, yeah. real. Um, um, what I like is that it, it the kids are... The kids are neither played off as hyper-competent adults, nor they play it as incompetent either, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, and I feel that's something that, like, not enough stories do well. Like, that was one of the things I liked about the Avatar cartoon, was like, you know, okay, they're just young teenagers, so it's sort of like they're not always going to make the best decisions or deal with stuff, but they're trying to save the world, and no one's really going to make the best decisions, and they're making better ones than a lot of people would. Yeah, right? they're doing their best. Right, and um, um, it's the fact that, like, so, Amulet focuses on, um, on, you know, this girl who finds a, a magical amulet, and she goes to a magic world, and she basically has to, you know, get involved in this rebellion in the magic world. Her brother's there, and her brother starts doing cool stuff, but they don't have her brother overshadow her, mm-hmm. which is the usual thing to do, right? Yeah, like, the usual thing would be, like, oh, the, I mean, you... I mean, we start. We started to see it happen in Avatar towards the end, yeah. where all of a sudden Sokka was the one appearing on all of, a lot of promotional material, right? And Katara wasn't there as much, right? And it was like, um, how did that happen, right? And never mind the fact that outside of Avatar powers, Toph is the strongest power wise of everyone there. Thank you. Right. I mean, and the best character. Right. Just underline that. <sighs> <laughs> um. But also, speaking of comics, I think I gave you these to read. Glory. Yes. Which I loved, loved, loved. I gotta get that back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but Glory, for anyone who doesn't know, Glory as a character was created by Rob Leefield, which already should turn most people off. But I'm talking about the recreation. <laughs> she was obviously a pastiche of Wonder Woman when he made her. And it was like, she's half demon, and she wears a... American flag bodysuit and blah, blah, blah. But in, like, 2012, Joe Keating and Ross Campbell took it over and sort of recreated her mythos, um, which was fascinating. Number one, she was a woman who was um, large. She was muscular. She was big. Um, she had love affairs. That and pretty much the only other person we had was what? She-Hulk, right? Yeah, She-Hulk. Yeah. Um who also, even though She-Hulk was bulky, she was still very much that sort of hourglass figure, whereas Glory was, like, bulked in the way a bodybuilder would be bulked. Right. And also I enjoyed that the other main character is a young woman of color, who's, like, writing her thesis on Glory and why she disappeared and goes and gets embroiled in this adventure. Um, Pick up those two volumes, because those are amazing. Yeah. 
Um, should we move on to the Black Comics uh, Festival? Yes. I, unfortunately, could not go to the Black Comics Festival because of work, and I had surgery a week ago, which is why, if I'm, if I'm a little odd, I'm on painkillers, just as a prerequisite warning. Uh, um, I have no excuse other than lack of sleep, so, uh, yeah, let's go with it. <laughs> Um, um, but you went, and it sounded amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess the first, I guess they usually have this over on the East Coast, and it was the first time that they did this, um, they did it out here. Good venue, um, it was at the Sony Metreon, which is basically downtown San Francisco, and I'm kind of surprised that they got this. Like, yeah. Um, well, Metreon's been begging for events lately, they've, they've been... They have been, but at the same time, it's like, there's enough, like, um, corporate stuff that yeah. I'm a little surprised that they even got in, especially when we have WonderCon get booted, and... That's true. Like a lot of our local cons have disappeared, and even um, even Ape had to move, right? Alternate right. Press Expo. So it's a little surprising that um, they got it, but they got it and no entrance fee. Like just just walk in. So I was like, okay. Um, but I have to say, like, if you like small conventions where it's mostly like an artist alley, mm-hmm. this was really dope um, and a lot better than a lot of the artist alley type things, like. Um, a lot of women have their own nice. tables, um, which, you know, you go to some comic co- comic conventions, that's not always the case. Nope. Um, the people you talk to have a lot more smart shit to say. Um, like, you know, if you go to some cons, you'll see, like, the dude who just does fan art. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm just here to draw, like, titties, and, you know, that's, that's what he does. And don't talk to me, and, you know. But this was, like, everyone here had, like, something interesting to say. Um, and, like, a lot of smart shit. Like, some of the folks have been doing comics for... 10 or 20 years, so they've been in a hot minute, and if you want to hear, want to hear some stories, you can hear some stories, right? Oh, see, I like that shit. But there was also a lot of new folks who, um, basically were just doing some amazing shit. Um, there was two girls out of, um, NYU who basically were doing a comic and a movie. Wow. And I'm just like, uh, okay, um... There's a woman out here in Oakland, she was doing, I'll put all these links in the in the notes, but um, this woman in Oakland basically was, I think, on her fourth or fifth issue of a zombie comic, and I'm just like, and it's all set in Oakland, so, like, all the covers have, played, like, there were spots, I was like, oh, that's right around Lake Merritt, and, like, like, cool. and, you know, uh, I guess it was funny, because when I talked to her, she said, yeah, the next issue's gonna be in Chinatown, so I was like, okay, you know, I'm curious to see what that is about, um, I'm not a big zombie person, but I'm just like... You know, you had the full range of genres. Yeah. Um, you had uh, uh, the big person there. Uh, well, I mean, there was a lot of folks doing stuff, but uh, Afua Richardson, who did Genius. Um, I love Afua Richardson and Genius. I just, she's amazing to me. So, like, the first, uh, it was Friday night. They had a couple panels that we went to in the evening, and she was on the panels. And she was just saying some smart-ass shit. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think it's really interesting just because a lot of these folks who are, like, Compared to people who are doing it, who've been doing it, like, the people who are jumping in new are coming in with so much more media savvy. And not just media savvy, like, oh, how do I navigate this? But, like, in understanding what they're doing with their craft. Yeah. Like, she said something that was really smart. She said, um, she said the, the power of being a creator is the ability to rewrite the symbols. Mm. And, you know, I'm sitting there like, okay. And, it, you know, obviously it's not just, it's not just, for, like, from a geek theoretical standpoint, but very clearly about how people get represented. Yeah. Um, and it was also interesting because a lot of folks who were there, um, the, the phrase that kept coming up was people talking about how they had more freedom in comics to do different stories and content than they could in other media. Mm. You know, whether yeah. that's like TV or movies. And it's very clearly, it's like, 
not having to jump through as many barriers um, to be able to tell the stories you want to tell. Yeah. And so I thought that was really interesting that that, that thing kept coming up, right? Um, at the same time, it's also like one of those things where it's like I feel like comics are kind of like, at least as far as print comics, those are kind of going the same way as um, like Vanity Press. Mm-hmm. Like, because they're just a losing proposition. Like, there's not, it's hard to actually make money on them. Right. Well, and what's interesting to me is that there are a number of uh, web comics that are now getting print releases. Right. Um, the one I just saw is a Strong Female Protagonist, mm. which is all online, but it's getting a book release this year. Right. But I mean, see, the thing is, is that when you do web first, you have your audience, mm. you have people paying you money, like people you're donating or subscribing or whatever, and then that money can translate into print release. Gotcha. Whereas if you start with print, you have to invest up front to pay and, for it. And you have to build an audience that doesn't even know who you are, but you've already Through these paid. limited distribution channels. Yeah. And then you have to deal with all the barriers in the distribution channel, you know, aside from business, but also like there's racism or sexism or they yeah. decide to shove your comic in the back bottom corner and no one sees it, right? Well, and yeah, and that, you know, with web comics, you can just make a website and throw it up there. And like it's really, day. it's its own promotion. Yeah. 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 I see what you're saying. That makes sense. So, and I mean, that, that mirrors like all the stuff in like the tabletop role-playing games, right? Yeah. Like, like all the same issues of distribution and printing and publishing. That's why like a lot of folks basically in the early 2000s, we were one of the first folks to go, let's just sell fucking PDFs, right? Like, yeah. like let's make money with that. So we're coming out ahead. And then once print on demand happened, we're like, and then if you want a copy, you, you know, print book, you can pay for that. Like, yeah. Yeah. You can buy that later, but here's the PDF. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, it's also like a thing where um, I think like like if, you, if you're working through a print company, if you're not just doing it on your own, but you're working through some other publisher, then you have to deal with like what their editors want, the changes, and you may not be able to do stuff with your story, right? Yeah. And God knows if you get to keep the rights at the end of it, right? Yeah. So, and I mean... <clears throat> It works both ways sometimes. Um, are you done talking about the yeah, plot? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, just go ahead. Like, I was going to transition to um, people we hate, because that actually made a good transition point. People we hate or things we hate? Maybe both. Um, <laughs> why must it be? Why must it be? Okay. Oh, why must it be? So, um, there are two comic book artists that, or writers that I will not read. Okay. Um, and that's Mark Millar. Okay. And that's um, Garth Ennis. Not Frank Miller? Oh, Frank Miller. Good one. I don't even think of Frank Miller as, like, an artist anymore in my, like... I mean, like, give me liberty. I'll, I'll still go back and check out once in a while. I'll still but... read Martha Washington. Yeah, I yeah. mean, how can you not read Martha Washington? But still, yes, Frank Miller's there. Um, but Ennis and um, and Mark Millar. What about, um, what's his name? Um, Maybe uh, there are more than that. Uh, well, there's there's a lot. There's a lot. Let's about. be real. I'm thinking about uh, what's his name who did Watchmen and loves to add rape to everything. Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Yeah, Alan Moore. You know, Alan Moore is a hard one. Alan Moore is a complex one because there's he, enough craft that there's there's enough worth, craft yeah. and depth and complexity that you're like, I really want to like this, and then it's like rape, 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 rape. Um, and like when he put that criticism on Frank Miller, mm-hmm. it was the most like surreal thing because you're like, you're totally right, Alan Moore. Frank Miller does do all this. And so do you. Right. Like, so do you. So here, here, what's let me throw happening? one more on there. Peter David. Oh, Peter David. I can't See? even. <laughs> I can't even with Peter David. 
But, um... Well, let's not go for a complete list. But, yeah, big names who it's like, I won't read your shit. But Garth Innes and Mark Millar, and all of those guys, really, um, I don't read because it feels like privileged white man jacking off on the page and expecting me to like it. Yeah. Um, Garth Innes, especially, because we were talking about, like, the freedom of studios compared to studios. So, I love Hellblazer. Um, when Garth Innes came on, I found it got way too much for me, because it had always been a messed up comic in the way of, like, demon in the body of a five-year-old impregnating its father. Like, just in the mafia. Like, horrible stuff. Okay. And you went along with the ride. But when Innes came on, it felt like the horrible stuff was more and more happening to women, or, like, around women, and it was like, okay, I can't with you anymore. Right. But he also wrote comics like Preacher... He's another one that when I feel like when he doesn't know what to do, he throws in a rape, as in Preacher. But um, the breaking point for me came with his comic book, The Boys, which is about, like, um, a world where superheroes exist, but they're sort of celebrities, and The Boys are a CIA watch team that watch the superheroes, so they don't do, like... Okay. It's like, who watches the blah, blah, blah. Uh Uh-huh. But one of the main characters is a young girl who's a Christian superhero who makes it onto the Seven which is, like, the big superhero team that everyone okay. knows. First of all, she's forced to give oral sex to three of the men to, I like, keep her... I think you told me about this. It's okay. just really horrible. Like, yeah. I didn't read it all the way through. I, I read a couple issues, and I was like, oh, and done. Yeah. Um, but then I read the summary online to see what the story happened, because I always right. want to know how the story ends up. Right. And then I saw this quote from Innes. Uh. Um, number one, he makes a quote about how, because this wasn't on DC... Um, they would have never let him do what he wanted to do in DC, which automatically makes me go, ugh. Um, so, so here's his quote about the character Annie, who's the one who almost gets raped, and it's just horrible. Annie started out as a joke, and was actually going to degenerate further in terms of the shit she'd put up with, the degradation she'd suffered just to be in the world's premier super team. But I found myself writing Huey, who becomes her love interest, Moping in Central Park, and then to my great surprise, I saw Annie come walking down the path. That's when I realized I wanted to take her in a different direction, make her stronger and more rounded. I probably felt a bit guilty about Annie, and ended up treating her a bit more responsibly as a result. That's more responsibly. Okay. And can we point out that the only reason he did that was because a male character would have benefited from her being there? Right. Like, I was just like, done with you. Um, Mark Millar, I don't know if you ever tried to read Wanted, was that his big one? Uh-huh. It starts with when the white man gets power, when he realizes he's the son of the premier assassin and doesn't actually have to follow the world rules. Some of the first things he does is, like, kill a group of Latino men who always harass him. Of course, the boss who always harasses him is, like, this big, butch, black woman. And then he rapes and kills a starlet, because he can get away with all these things now. Wow. And I was just like, why do I need to read further than this? Like, I mean, this is, I think what it is, is no one's arguing that superhero comics are generally wish fulfillment. Yeah. But it's sort of like, let's look at what your wish fulfillment consists of, and what's horrible violence against other people, and racism and sexism. Hmm. Interesting. Like. Right? And I'm not saying you can't include complex things in, in comics, obviously. But this is clearly not complex, right? It's not like, complex. You're not dealing with the issues around it. You're just throwing it in to be like, grim, dark, and, like, really, look how gritty this world is. Look, look how, how shocking are Look at how shocking it is when my dick is hard. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. That's what yeah. turned into my mini rant on comic book. Especially the, it's, it, yeah. I no, can't even. No, I get it. I get it. Um, God. Uh, 
mostly for me, my problem is I'll get into manga, and manga may start with a good premise. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, manga and anime, I think I said this before, you end up with such a higher tolerance. Like, you're like, well, there's going to be this sketchy thing, but this other thing will make up for it. So that you ride through on stories that you wouldn't normally. And then at the end, you're just like, really? Like, uh, or like halfway through, you're like, I didn't realize you were going to turn this terrible. Um, God, I'm trying to remember. There was this manga, it uh, was called something like, frack, this was like late 90s, early 2000s. It was like Dragon something. Um, uh, I could be totally wrong on the name. I'll have to Google this after. But basically, kids end up getting control of sort of alien super weapons mm-hmm. that are semi-sentient. Okay. And so, this is all, like, kids who are, like, you know, 12 to 15, that kind of age range. And some of the kids decide to use these superpowers to try and take over the world, mm-hmm. which, you know, okay, fair enough. Um, one kid uh, uses to take out her abusers, which, okay. you know, it's it's violent, but I'm sort of like, I, I that makes it. sense, you know. Um, and... It's sort of like, okay, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with all this. You know, the grimness is not terrible. Um, but basically the end of it turns into, um, turns into a ton of preteen rape and world destruction. Oh. And I was sort of like, and the happy ending is that two of the survivors are there, you know, having survived all the destruction. I'm sort of like, this is not, and you know, this was before Evangelion, so it was just sort of like, hmm. You know, at least Evangeline had enough sense to go, this is not a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. At least they realized it. I mean, and this is not to say I'd... You know, dark stuff can be fun. I fucking love, like, to get off comics a little bit, fucking love Battle Royale. It's one of my favorite movies. I love it. It's it's super violent. Right. It's super problematic at points. I love that movie. Um, but it at least is saying something. It's actually a commentary on culture and a commentary on disconnectedness and a commentary, especially if you read the novel, which right. is great as well. Right. The, the, uh, these, these comics that we're talking about, they aren't doing any of that. They aren't like yeah. trying to comment on anything. Yeah. Except, I don't even know. Except, except look, some people got raped. Yeah. Look, yeah. look, women are objects, which, yeah. ugh. So. Yeah. No. Um, did you want to go into our teacher? I was going to say, should we go on to our shared disappointment? Yes. Um, oh, Artesia, you, you. Oh, Mark Smiley. Um, so so let's give context. Yeah. Mark, because it's out of print. It's been out for, for what, ten years? But you can't, wait, you can get the first three collected on, on his website. The first okay. three books. So Artesia is a fantasy, uh, it's a fantasy comic. It's all painted, you know, uh, illustrated and painted, and... Uh, super epic story. Yeah. You have this woman, Artesia, who, uh, you have basically a, was it, I'd say semi-Scottish, or it's like this weird pagan, semi-Scottish yeah. pol- political thing, even though it's a fantasy world. Um, the ethnicities are shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as far as I can tell, Artesia is black. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting because she's painted dark, yet her brothers are very light. So it's an interesting... But her hair seems yeah. to have that texture. That her I would hair say. is texture, right? So. so it's a very interesting sort of um, not race free, but sort of it's, like it's a different ambiguously yeah. themed. And, and so, like, she is the captain of like this king who's an ass, and she basically kills him like within the first what three issues? Yes, like she kills him and sacrifices his soul because she is all deep in touch with awesome like. 
Egan power shit, right? And so, also, the thing we should point out is that she's also his consort, along with uh, five other women who love her more than they love him. Right. Like, when she comes home from leading the army, the other women run to her and are like, Artesia's home, Artesia's home, like, stay with us, we don't really like Bran, we don't like this guy. And that's what drives her to be so vicious with him, is that he takes revenge on those women. Right. And and the thing is, she ends up going from high captain to basically taking queenhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically conquering land. So you have awesome epic fantasy. Um, they actually play up some interesting politics where she's cutting deals and making alliances and threats. And, and re- the religion is amazing because it's basically a religious war that is sort of like new religion versus old religion, but in fascinating, complex ways. And the religions actually have, like, magical power. It's not like people just believe this. It's like, people see spirits. And the gods show... A few of the gods show up at various times. Um, I also... And it also puts Artesia in an interesting position, because her people are called to, like, this alliance to stop an empire, but she really comes to find out that her people who are in the highlands and much more pagan, have more in common with the empire they're fighting right. than their allies. Right. Um, and it's it's fantastic. It's, yeah. Two points are, it's very sexually explicit at times. Artesia gets it, gets gets it on, on with several uh, men that she, she's having herself a good time. So, yeah, she yeah. has herself a good time. Like, she will take four men to her bed at times. Um, it's very much that she's in control, though. I'm a little annoyed that you never see her take a woman to bed. You always hear about her doing it or sharing, but you never see it. Um, I also really appreciate it. In the first six issues, you'll notice that Artesia's armor... Does not include pants. Does not include pants. It is the bikini armor. And the thing I love that is, you won't know this unless you can get the individuals somehow, that when that shifted, which I think was the beginning of book two... So each book is six issues that tell an arc, and they were supposed to be 22. Um, I think it's the second arc where her armor is now full armor, and literally in the back of one of the issues in the letters, it was from Mark Smiley, the creator who writes and draws it, saying, you know, I'm really sorry for her armor in the first six issues. I thought it would help me appeal to, like, a more mainstream audience, but it was messed up, it was this, and I really appreciated that. I was like, yeah, it was. Because anyone would go for a hamstring at that point. Her right. legs are bare. Right, especially since it goes through the effort of, like, talking about, like, what real pike fighting is like. Exactly. And, like, sieges. Like, it's all this other sort of, like, historical fighting that's accurate. And then when it comes to this one thing, it's, it's like, ridiculous, right? Um, but at the same time, it's sort of like, so this series was, like, would take forever, you know, when it was coming out. Like, yeah. you're talking, at best, three months between issues. At best. And then, you know, it started getting longer and longer. He took over He took over the publishing group that he was with. Archaic And comics. then it just stopped. And, you know, I'd see him, you know, for the first couple years when we still have WonderCon, I would go up and be like, hey, when are we doing it? You know, when's it happening? Oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And, you know, he put out a freaking role-playing game. That was like 300 pages long. It's huge. I was just rereading it. Um, it's huge and among us. And I love it because it gives detail on the world. But... He, we got how many issues total? We got 20 to, 21 issues total because we got the first three books mm-hmm. and half of the fourth. We got issues one, two, and three. Right. 
Um, and it's really messed up because it ends on her being called to trial. Right. And you're like, uh, um, and he now is writing books set in this world that aren't very good. I yeah. mean, I tried to read The Barrow, which was his first book. And here's the thing. Within the comic, I think it's very obvious that this is a patriarchal world. Right. But because we're coming to it from a woman's point of view, and because there are so many, we're coming from, the point of view we're coming from is a culture that's more egalitarian. Right. We see the way, even in the patriarchal society, where women have gotten power. Right. Have chosen to make power in the ways that they can. Right. And so, with the book, which is from, like, her brother's point of view, and is mostly male, I tried. And it was just, it felt like the generic grimdark of, like, we're going to show you how horrible this world is because of how horrible things happen to women. And I was just like, I just, I just want more of the comic, really. Right, and it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, he, you know, and I think I mentioned this to you uh, before, is it's, like, he should just do, like, um, he should do, like, uh, Mike McNola. Just get a different artist, like, get other people to do the art, and just write your shit. You know, if you're too busy, or it's too hard to do the art, which, doing full-painted shit is, yeah. you know, pretty hectic. Just get someone else to do the art. It's okay. Like, but also, let's be completely honest. His it, art was not the most amazing. I mean, it yeah. was good. Well, I mean, but he those did complex fa- battle scenes, but his yeah. characters are just not great. Those facial features were so interchangeable sometimes. It's <laughs> It was the same issue with, like, um, the manga Initial D. Like, that guy could draw, like, cars for crazy. All of his characters just looked so flat. You're like, which guy is that? Right? Like, like Artesia would be in a sex scene with, like, three guys, and I was like, who are these guys again? Right. What characters are they? And it would also definitely be like, I'm glad you gave this person a different skin tone. That's right. how it's <laughs> That's going to help me a little bit. Right. Or, or like a different hairstyle. Or that guy, that's the beard guy. Right. That's, that's scar guy, guy, that's beard guy. Although, to be honest, like, when I watch a lot of fantasy movies, it's like just a bunch of white dudes, that's how I tell them apart. <laughs> I mean, let's be real, that's how you have to tell them apart I mean, now. They're, they're so milk toast. That That's what they did with The Hobbit, though, right? Like, like let's give everyone <laughs> a funny, like, Oh, that's the dude, you know, and, you know, that's the dude with his his beard like this, and like. Did you see someone made a flowchart of like which how to tell? Yeah, yes. and I was like, isn't this just how to tell these generic white men apart in fantasy movies? Can't we just apply it to almost every fantasy <laughs> movie and be like, hmm, he's pretty tall, so I think he might. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I just can't. Um, but yeah, Artesia, I would love. I just reread the whole thing. Um, and it just, it fills me with joy and sadness because it's so good. And, and there's all these hints of what he's building towards because he's building towards what it is. And I think what I love about it is it's an epic fantasy of the kind you really don't see anymore in books or comics or anywhere Right. where a girl goes from, and I mean, we join her when she's already almost become queen, but when we get her backstory, she goes from like a peasant girl whose mother is burned at the stake for witchcraft. Two, it's implied that she will have, like, a court and an empire like the world has never known. If not ascend to godhood. If not ascend to godhood. Because it's clear, you know, in the story, no spirits and gods and omens are sort of like, no, there's big shit for you. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of a lot of price paid in blood. And she's like, fine. And right. that's, that's the best part, is she doesn't do this whiny, oh, I don't know. She's like... You know what? Fuck it. If it's going to be paid in blood, I'm going to pay. And everyone's coming with me. Like, well, And they call her the heart of war, which obviously means something. Like, at one point, someone's like, the heart of the war returned to the world at last. And you're like, 
okay, what's going on here? Right. And I just feel like, um, I mean, there's an especially great part, I don't know if you remember, with the, with the woman who has taken over the city of her husband. Okay. Um, in the later series in the Middle Kingdoms where women don't rule. Right. And she based Artesia protects the city by doing something that's pretty dirty. Oh, is this the one where she hung a bunch of people? Yes. Like, doesn't it, like, fuck up their souls or some shit? She binds their souls to the walls as protectors. <laughs> so when the <laughs> army comes to take the city, she's like, come on, but we're going to fight you with the spirits of your own dead. And they're like, okay, you know what? This city's a free city. We'll never come touch it. <laughs> and the Duchess is like, well, you know, thanks, but um, you've tainted these walls and we'll never be clean. And she's and Artisha's like, you know what? If you have to, tell them that I did it at knife point to your throat. Like, it basically is the truth. And the Duchess is like, are you that open to being hated? And she's like, no, but this is how we rule where I'm from. Everything in the open. Lovers, enemies, murders, everything we are out in the open so our people can decide whether we're, we're worthy to rule or not. And I was like, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, no shame. It's what I... That's the thing, I think, is there's a difference, like, tying this back to our earlier thing. Yeah. There's a difference between a character who is unashamed and unapologetic. Yes. And, and problematic. Yes. Like, that, that's the thing, is that they'll have characters who are problematic, but they don't actually own up to what they do. They're mm-hmm. all the rationalizations of why they had to do this fucked up shit, yeah. or why it's okay is constantly put forward. Whereas these kind of characters, it's more like, yeah, I did, and it was fucked up. And I, you know, maybe they'll go, I had to do it, but they won't give you a long ass, yeah. you know, but I, but I had to, they'll be like, well, did you have a better answer? No? Okay, fine, it's done. Yeah, well, I'm, like, that book I was telling you, I read an advanced copy of Daughter of Gods and Shadows, which we'll probably talk about in a later podcast. Um, the one thing I did like about the villain is the villain is like, yeah, I'm a demon and it's my nature to rule. The end. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to apologize for it, I'm not going to be ashamed about it, this is what I did. And I was like, it doesn't make you like him, but I at least appreciate that of like Right. And I mean I mean there's definitely a fun part of villains who say are in denial about their yeah. shit, but the story itself has to acknowledge that they're in denial. Mm-hmm. Whereas these entitled white dude fantasies, it's the protagonist who's in denial. Yeah. But the whole story tries to go around crafting, explain why it's okay and why they're the specialist awesome that ever awesome, right? Well, and also these entitled white dude fantasies, the ugh. The one, sh- the one girl band. I, f- I won't read them anymore. When it's like five people going on a journey and, and one of them girl. is a woman, yeah. and she's always like the archer because God forbid she do close she's combat. The archer, the major, the healer. Exactly That's the only three, right? That's the only three she's allowed to be. I was like, why can't she be the bruiser? Right, or the assassin, or the assassin, the the lith assassin, right? Yeah. I just, oh, I can't anymore. Every time I read the back of a book and they're like, they list the people and it's like one woman who's like. She is Archer from the back. And I'm like, done. Not going to read it. Yeah. It is. Because it is that white boy power fantasy. And there's like, look at what your fantasy is. One girl. Yeah. Like, what does that tell you about your world? My bros and one girl. Right? Right. Or, well, I mean, because I read one manga, there's always the one dude with his harem of women. Oh, my God. The harem. Right. The harem. To segue real quickly to Robert Jordan, okay, that's when I stopped reading the Wheel of Time series, um, was when he started to acquire, like, basically a harem of, like, three women who all loved him, uh-huh. and the one who was culturally different and from the East was like, well, in my culture, and granted, she was a warrior woman, but she's like, in my culture, we have a thing called sister wives. 
And I was like, ooh, done. Done. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, to also, I guess, segueing, there, there's uh, this anime I watched. One of my friends got into it. I had seen a few episodes before, just in cash. He was like, no, no, you should watch it. Um, it's called Agame, Agame Ga Kill. Or Akame Ga Kill? Akame Ga Kill. And basically, premise-wise, interesting. Fantasy world, um, rebels, uh, rebels against the corrupt government. And so you have this band of assassins who basically, for a few years ahead of the rebellion... They're basically taking out key players and yeah. trying to steal magic items to feed back to the rebel army that they're building. Okay. So, like, interesting politics yeah. in that, right? And the government, of course, is like, our people are being killed off. We need to build a band of counter-assassins, also with magic weapons. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Um, but, uh, and, you know, like, like uh, one of the things that was pushed was like, oh, it's great because, like, main characters will die in this anime, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's like... Yeah, okay, but then, like, by the end, all, like, there's something like, all the men except for the one dude are oh, dead, Jesus. and all of them kind of like the dude, main oh, dude, Jesus. and I'm just like, can we not do this, like... Why is this the story? Right, and it's just like... I don't mind a good re- romance. Emphasis on good. Right. But, uh, should we talk about the Marvel? Uh, yeah, although I feel like there's not... So Marvel is designed to end their settings and relaunch them. Well, they're ending their main line. The 616. Worlds. And Ultimates. And Ultimates. Right? And right. I think they're going to merge them into a new one. Which is scary for the reasons you said, possibility of losing Miss Marvel, who I adore. Um, I'm interested only because, unlike DC... Marvel does a little better. I mean, I think they actually do much better in terms of continuity. Marvel did really better early on by splitting their stuff into different worlds, like, real quick. Right. And, like, while there are little continuity issues, as you have with any comic that, like, takes on new writers and stuff, Marvel kept good continuity. Hmm. DC did not. Never did. DC always would like to split their worlds into infinite infinites. Infinite infinites. And then everything will be the most terrible until three years down the line when our our sales are flagging and we need to, like, do it again. And my question... But here's my question that actually just popped into my head. And I hope it's not the case. Mm. I'm very much hoping that Marvel is not resetting these two worlds to bring it closer to the movie-verse. Yeah. Because I love the Marvel movies, most of them. Most of them. But that's its own verse. Right. I don't need that to be the comics verse, too. Well, especially since I feel like the movies... I mean, the movies are fun, but they're also much more shallow. Yeah. You know, and let, I mean, let's also be honest. We're talking comics. We're not saying everything's yeah. got to be some deep, epic shit. But I'm like... Like, I am really annoyed with... Um, so, I, I followed Iron Man in the 80s. Yeah. Iron Man in the 80s was basically about him fucking up his life. Until he burned all his friends. You know, <laughs> burned all the bridges and his friends were leaving him. And he was having constant PTSD nightmares about his own issues with making weapons and his alcoholism. So, like, like to me, Iron Man was really interesting. Like, yeah. it's like, he's like, fuck, I made all these weapons that are out in the world killing people. I'm responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's a pretty interesting character, right? Yeah. Um, whereas... I feel like Marvel uh, movie verse Iron Man is mostly like, well, yeah, I go a little overboard, but Pepper will take care of it. And yeah, <laughs> I'm fucking around, isn't it funny? And it's sort of like, you know, it's like all that, all that's gone. So yeah. now we just expect, you know, dickhead Tony. You and know, I really, like, I really never, I never watched any of the Iron Man. 
I wasn't yeah. interested. Yeah. Um, in the same way that I won't probably see the Ant Man movie. If it ain't got Janet Van Dyne in it, I don't want to see it. Yeah. Um. Mm-mm. Well, I mean, like the only one that I was like super hyped about was Doctor Strange, and now they're putting Bumper Stump, you know, Cotton Patch oh. in there, and I'm just like. Why? Number one, like like if they said he was, if he was if he was Doramu, I'd be like yes, perfect. That is I'll actually be, perfect I'll casting. That he was pink and green. Like that is actually perfect casting. He's got like the the creepy voice, and yeah, yeah it no, would no, be perfect. No, but Doctor Strange, I'm like, come on, no. guys. And no, then like no, no, and now Chuetel Edifor is apparently being um, uh, cast in something in Doctor Strange. Uh, and it might be the it might be the villain, which I hope it's not, because I'm like, really, really, yeah. You gonna whitewash Doctor Strange and then make the villain a man of color? Please don't do this. And then you know, I mean, granted, they, they they're talking about doing Black Panther, but I just don't have much faith in them doing it well. Well, and they also the other thing they thought he might be was Wong. They might re envision Wong, and I was like, Wait, why? What? Why? Why? Number one, why erase this character? And number two, how is that less problematic? Right. Like, they're both problematic. Like, right, right, just, right. There's no way around it. Yeah. Um, and I just, uh, I'm just, I'm not interested in Doctor Strange. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what they do with another Captain America movie, because yeah. I feel like those are the ones they've done really the well. best of. But... They've done the Captain America really well. I love Avengers. Guardians of the Galaxy was fun. I would love to see them do Alpha Flight. I would love um, to see them do Alpha Flight. That would be amazing. The thing which they don't have access to, but I would love to see um, Marvel do again, is ROM. Oh, yeah. Because I, I feel like that would have been a nice thing. Well, um, I would love if Marvel had the rights to all their properties so yeah. that they would actually do the X-Men right. Well, and you know, the, you saw that they negotiated for Spider-Man to appear in the next Avengers movie. Oh, I didn't. I yeah. didn't know about that. So well, they, so Spider Man will be making Avengers appearance at least, which good, is kind of awesome. Because Spider Man as a franchise has been suffering so bad. Oh. Like, because like I, I didn't really watch the movies, but I think it were, I was like hanging out somewhere, and maybe it was here, and they had like um, on cable TV they had like like one of the Spider Man movies, and I was like watching this like Sandman, really? Like yeah. of all the villains, we're gonna go with Sandman, like. The first two Tobey Maguire movies were pretty good. That third one. Oh. Yeah, I was sitting there like this weird seduction scene. I was just like, what? And the emo <laughs> haircut. Yes. And then the remakes, I was like, number one, I'm against remakes within a decade. We just had the Tobey Maguire ones. And they're like, we're going to remake it. And just, okay, no offense, I think Emma Stone's a wonderful actress at times, and I think she's hilarious. She was made a creepy ass Gwen Stacy, and anyone who read comics knew where the Gwen Stacy storyline was going. So, like the first two movies, you're sitting there like, "Uh huh, when yeah. are we getting to it? Yeah. When is she dying?" <laughs> what I would love to see them do, if they're going to do it with the Avengers, um, and I know they won't do this because it'll be putting too much shine on a specific character who they haven't established enough in this universe. Yeah, the, I always felt like a Spider-Man story is pretty much he's that sort of he is. The New York-based local hero, yeah. right? Everyone else will go off and fight aliens and demons and crazy-ass shit, and he's like, so who's stopping this guy from blowing up the city center? Oh, it's me. Like, and, and, stopping you know, this mugging? Right. Me. And, and, like, like, and at the end of the day, everyone is like, oh, Fantastic Four, you saved us, and da 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 And Spider-Man's like, 
I have been in the hospital three goddamn times, and it's only because I have I have like a friend who's hooking me up. Can I afford to be alive? Like, right. I, and I, that is one of the things I actually really did appreciate about the Tobey Maguire films is that you do have that scene where the people of New York start to help him. Right. Where they and I was just like, yes, right. Because the people, you know. Spider-Man gets a bad rap from the media and everything, but the people of New York have always loved them since Spider-Man. Well, not right. always. But right, right. for the majority of the time, he's the people's hero. Right. And so I was like, I actually really appreciate this part, where they're like, Spider-Man is just a kid. What are you doing? Which is uh, why the Miles Morales thing is even more oh. so loaded. Because, I mean, just good kids with bad raps. Yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah. the Miles Morales thing. Ooh, and people's racism came out yes. when they were casting that second reboot of Spider-Man and people tried to suggest Donald Glover. Right. I, I mean, people's racism comes out whenever you try and, like, do right. anything that might right. accurately represent our world in any way. But um, I was just like, damn, y'all are just not feeling any any problem with just coming out and calling people niggers online. Well done. Like tying tying back to the Black Comics Festival, um, Amanda Stenberg, yeah, who played Rue, she oh, was there. Who's amazing? Oh, she was there. She was there. Oh, I, love I will her. tell you that little girl, her smile will just freaking blind everyone. I was like, <laughs> damn, child, stop the lights! Like oh it was like, God. I loved her in the first Hunger Games movies. I loved her in Sleepy Hollow. I mean, the rest of the show has turned to crap, but the first season was good. She's helping do a comic. Um, but I'm not sure how much input she has. Okay. So that wasn't clear, and it'd be one of those things I'd be interested in. Um, she's helping do this, um, this fantasy comic called Untamed. I and heard guy about is, this. I guess, like, the main guy is using her likeness. I'm really curious to see how much input she's getting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, basically, she gets to play her, 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 the character that is modeled after her is a half-elf. Okay. Who is, as the guy, as the dude described it, he said, basically, he's going to be the Luke Skywalker of the setting. Ooh. Um, which is promising, but some of the things that the author said made me go, oh. I'm curious about how you're going to write this. Were the authors white? Um, he's not white, he's okay. mixed, but uh, he, it sounds like he has some issues with women. So, oh. so, you know. Issues with women. Yeah. I mean, like... It was also sort of like, um, there was a panel, and sort of like, he ended up monopolizing a lot of the space, and, uh, you know, it's like one of those things where I was more curious, like, okay, so what's your input, you know, how, you know, I'm more interested in hearing about what she's doing, because it's like, shit, if I was 16 and I had good-ass artists, and you told me I got to make a comic book, Mm -hmm. you know, like, that... It would be off the chain. And it's like, and you also had already spent time in Hollywood, so it's kind of like you had to deal with media and see what kind of stories you couldn't tell. Like, and I mean, ooh, those painkillers. <coughs> um, oh, oh, you uh, good? I'm good, I'm good. I just <laughs> felt a little dizzy for a second. Um, um, if he's monopolizing the panel that much, it makes me wonder how much, like, input, input she has getting. on the comic at all. That, that, that was kind of my feeling. So it's like one of those things, I think a couple friends have picked up the comics, I'll kind of check in with them and see what they have to yeah. say. Although, I just sound like the arc they were at is like, he's like, yeah, this first arc is actually the precursor to how she gets involved. So, which... It's hard. It's yeah. hard when you do that, because you can lose people. 
because I'm like, often when people give me a big chapter about someone that's not the main character, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Or, I do give a shit, and I don't care about this new character. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's the other thing. It's, right. it's, it's hard. When, mm, I've, yeah. had, I've read many a novel that alternated between two characters where I skimmed one of the characters and was just like, I hate you. Right. But I love the other person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, shall we just go on to, uh, on to, uh, recommendations? Yes. Let's, let's, let's. Um, since you got the book right here, why don't you break me off on this? Okay, so the book I'm recommending for Yellow Peril to read is Castle Waiting by Linda Medley. Okay. Which is one of my favorite, um, comic books. And it is basically, um, what happens to the castle, it's a fantasy comic book, um, and it's basically what happens to the castle after Sleeping Beauty is taken away by the prince. And so you have, this castle basically becomes a sanctuary for all these people, humans and not, that are showing up and doing things. It's fascinating. There's an order of um, bearded nuns who okay. make uh, delicious bread and cheese. Um, okay, so I'll make sure to have food when I'm reading this, because <laughs> I'll be hungry. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it, and it's, it sort of centers on this woman who shows up pregnant. Okay. Um, but it also just, like, centers around... All of their stories. All of their stories come into it. I spe- There's especially a character I love who's like this black woman who's bearded, who's just gorgeous, and is presented as like this gorgeous woman who eventually marries like an amazing guy and goes off. But there's like vengeance and dark stuff. The nun has like a great taunting relationship with the demon who shows up, who's actually sort of her friend. <laughs> Okay, um, okay. Yeah, I really love it. So this, uh, it's really interesting how much we're getting, like, deconstructions of, like, fantasy yeah. and, like, fables and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I love a good deconstruction. Um, unfortunately, they seem to be few and far between. Yes. <laughs> but this is a good one. Um, I think the fairies are really fun because they're all, like, tiny pixie-like things that are okay. just, like, a little bit annoying. Okay. Um, so it's it's a fun little interpretation that's pretty light. But also hints at, like, darker things to come in the future, or, like, secrets. Okay. Alright. Um, so, I, and... Give me the phrase. Give me the phrase. Wait, what's the phrase? I forgot. It's the Serpenter phrase. Ah, I forgot it! Okay. This I command! Yes! <laughs> there we go. Um, so, my, my recommendation is gonna be the manga Parasite. It's on, you know, you can find, like, uh translations online. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also got an anime that's really good. Okay. Um, so Parasite is this freaky sci-fi, uh, modern sci-fi, but the genre, I feel, is really more superheroes. Okay. Um, so, teenage kid, um, apparently these alien spore things land on Earth, and they basically crack open and turn to worms, and they, they basically possess a person's body. And so, this kid... You know, he's terrified of bugs, right? <laughs> so, like, as should everyone. Right, and in the middle of the night, he sees this worm thing, and he's like, oh, fuck, right? And it jumps into his hand, and he sees it crawling up his arm, so <gasps> he ties off his arm to, like, stop it, right? Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, the parasites only have a short time to try and take over the body. And so it melds with his arm, but doesn't take over the rest of his body, whereas most of them take over the whole body. Okay. And so... It is its own thing. It can metamorph his arm in all kinds of weird ways and makes, like, face and eyes to talk to him, which is creepy and messed up, right? Yeah. And what's really awesome is the parasites are very sociopathic. It is not portrayed as, like, oh, this is your friendly buddy. It's, like, this is a cold, logical thing. And the only reason it really works with him is it goes, 
well, if your heart dies, I don't get blood and I die. Mm. Like, you need to be alive so I can live, and since I couldn't take over the full body, we're going to work together. Yeah. Right? And so it's very logical. Um, and the other parasites are eating humans, and they can kind of sense where each other are. Mm-hmm. And so they eat other humans, and they fight each other. And so, of course, this is what gets them drawn into a bunch of shit. And aside from dealing with that, and, and the best part is it's not like he becomes super awesome manga hero. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, fuck. Because these things are moving at lightning speed, fighting each other of like, claws and shit. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? Right? <laughs> like, so he has all this drama. And what makes this the superhero thing is that he's doing this all in secret. His friends and his family are like, why are you acting weird? Mm. Right, which is like the classic secret identity. Yeah. Um, his mom at one point, she's like, he's trying to keep secrets. Like I, like she feels him getting distant, and she's worried. Mm-hmm. Right, which parents do when you hit that point. Yeah. And the dad is having this conversation with her. He goes, "Well, he's never really, you know, rebelled. Had a rebellious phase, and he's like seventeen. Like it was just a phase. It's part of growing up. Like, and which is also a pretty reasonable way to deal with this, right? Yeah. Like." Like, he's like, I don't think he's doing drugs or anything, so I think we're okay, right? Like, but, you know, she notices that, she's worried. Um, his girlfriend, you know, the the, the, the the girl who neither of them have confessed their feelings for each other. Okay. But, you know, like, whatever. Um, she's basically like, why, you know, she's like, okay, you know, because he's doing stuff like, oh, crap, we gotta get out of here, or I can't hang out with you, or like, he's changing plans a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there's stuff where, like, another girl shows up who can sense the parasites, but doesn't realize they're parasites. Mm. And so, um, there's this, there's an Asian, um, thing, there's, like, this Asian belief that lovers are connected by the red string of destiny. Yes. And so, she thinks because she can sense him, that's the red string of destiny. Oh, Jesus. And so she's trying to holler at him, and, the, you know, the girlfriend is like, why are you spending time with her? Meanwhile, he's trying to tell the girl, do not hang out with me. Do not hang out with people who you can sense like me. Yeah. Right? And, like, because they'll eat you. Well, he didn't get that far initially. <laughs> but, like, basically he's dealing with all this drama, and it's very good because whereas a lot of superhero things, those characters disappear. Like, like you know, now we'll go save the world, and no one really has to think about Aunt May anymore, right? Like, like we'll do two years of, of doing crazy shit and not dealing with Aunt May, but it's like, here are these characters, it keeps coming back, it keeps being present, and it keeps being a problem for him, right? And not just, like, they're getting kidnapped and stuff, but, like, really him just... How do I maintain a relationship and keep these secrets? Yeah. Yeah. Real. So, um, it's relatively short as far as manga goes, I think. Because, um, you know, a chapter is something like 20 pages. Yeah. And I think it's only something like 100 chapters. It's not like it's not like, like Naruto or something where it's going to be, like, infinitely long. But, you know, you could probably read, an, you know, a little bit of an arc and figure stuff out. But they do this major change where... Um, there is a point when his body starts changing because of it, mm-hmm. and so he gets more fit and stuff, and he doesn't realize it, which I think is a really great sort of transition about superhero powers. It's yeah. like, he's accidentally breaking stuff, he unintentionally is like, you know, it's like, I gotta get there, jumping over a wall, you know, just doing shit that you, you would stop and go, no dude, that's not normal. Yeah. I mean, like... Interesting. Yep, so Parasite. Okay. Read it. This I command. (laughs) So I guess next time we will talk about how we liked each other's recommendations. Yeah. Um, Which we don't always like the same things. Well, it might be a week or two when we're really honest about, like, our reading schedules, right? Yeah, this is true. So it might be further down the line. But But, um, 
Yeah, because I, I remember I gave you C.S. Friedman's This Alien Short, which is one of my favorite books, and you were like, nope, it's about a girl who throws up in her hair a lot. I have no, no, no need for this. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Yep, yep. Cool. All right, so. So. Yay! Yay! Thank you for listening.